1: Too many potential cures for cancer disappear in a funding bottleneck. Music Beats Cancer is changing this by leveraging the power and passion of people and music to help raise funds and awareness for promising cancer innovations that would otherwise linger in the valley of death. Their mission is to increase the number of cancer-fighting technologies in the product development pipeline so that more solutions make it to those in need. Valeria Telles interviews Dr. Mona Javeri, a founder, executive director, and chairman of the board at Music Beats Cancer and speaker. Dr. Mona Javeri launched the nonprofit to address the valley of death, the growing gap in funding that constrains the translation of cancer research discoveries into clinical applications. Prior to Music Beats Cancer, Javeri founded Fologo Therapeutics Incorporated in 2005 to develop and commercialize a DNA-based therapeutic compound as a potential treatment for ovarian cancer. While Foligo was able to initially attract funding from various state-run venture programs and business plan competitions, the company ultimately succumbed to the valley of death. Javeri realized that breaking this funding bottleneck was a more critical priority than Foligo and rededicated herself to Music Beats Cancer and its mission. Javeri holds a doctorate in biochemistry from the Baumann Gray School of Medicine of Wake Forest University. She trained as a postdoctoral fellow at the National Cancer Institute and was granted the Spore Fellowship Award for Breast Cancer Research at the Lombardi Cancer Center of Georgetown University. She subsequently specialized in intellectual property and technology transfer while at the Ludwig Institute for Cancer Research. Meet Dr. Mona at musicbeatscancer.org. Here is the interview with Dr. Mona Javeri.
0: In your own words, who is Dr. Mona Javeri?
2: Well, um, I'm a mother, wife. I'm a scientist, I'm certainly somebody who enjoys and believes in community um, and the strength of the community, and I'm certainly someone who wants to see a better world and believes that we can get there
0: if we can all get on the same page. What do you think is the purpose of the human experience, Mona? Well, that's a a very broad question. (laughs) It is. (laughs)
2: Um, but I love that question because it's something I actually do think about a lot. And of course, you know, on the superficial side of, you know, we, we the human experience is to find happiness and purpose. But as I'm a scientist, I also think about the human experience as being very much part of evolution mm. and us as, be, as beings. And, I, I, you know, a lot of things happen to people and we say, why me? Well, we're just—we're all part of a big human species that the universe has has a plan for. So, um, I, f- I like to think of it like that way, where we are just specks in in a moment in time.
0: When you speak about the plan of the universe, that sounds spiritual in a way. Do you have any spiritual beliefs or spiritual practices?
2: Yeah, so I'm uh, Jewish as my religion. Um, I mean, certainly. Certainly, do um, observe the, the Jewish Sabbath holidays. I'm also converted Jewish um, Jewish person, but my mother was Hindu and my father's Muslim, so I grew up with those religions around me. Um, but spiritual spirituality, of course, doesn't necessitate a religion, yeah, you know. Right. It, it, but but when you ask me about you know um, the plan for the universe. Um, I do think that there is energy in the universe I mean, and and I do think it's very real. And I do think we're all subject to it
0: um, as something bigger than us. Another thing you said that kind of uh, caught my attention is, is the evolution of the human species. Do you see a destination for that evolution? What is your vision?
2: Well, you know, cancer is uh, something that because, you know, I'm, I'm a cancer researcher by yeah. training. So I, I look through, <laughs> yeah. I look at life through this lens. Mm, right. You know, even when we look, when we see tumors and we study cells, one of the things about cells is that the cells that have become cancerous have, uh, uh, have gone awry. I mean, they're mm. rebelling against what they're normally supposed to do. But there's something in that that's also evolutionary, right? Mm. That's a, that's, Happening because there's pressures, mm, and the right. cell responds to pressures, and as a, a cell responds to pressures, many cells respond respond to pressures, and our organism responds to the pressure. Um, so it's I I, I see cancer is very very much part of. Being a, a a as they say a multicellular being on the planet, um, mm. we are we are constantly responding to our environment and what's around as, as cells yeah. as people. Yeah. Um, it's True. it's pretty fascinating
0: to look at it that way. Yeah, if everything is energy and everything is connected, so everything is affecting everything in a way.
2: And there's also adaptations. Mm you know what i mean yeah. and and i don't know that we think about this a lot in our own bodies right. but what environment we put ourselves in mm. as a as a being right. we put our our cells in also mm. and our cells respond to that environment including right. treatment and in fact you know as they say chemo and radiation which are the forefront treatments for cancer are often also pushing um, the the evolution of your own cells because it's a stress on your cells, right. and they're responding to it, and they're responding most often. You, you will get clones and cancer mm-hmm. that will figure out how to get around that pressure. Oh wow! Yeah, and so that mm-hmm. you know es- essentially becomes drug resistance, um, which is. Oh. How we perish from cancer is that uh, mm. we hit it one way and then it yeah. figures out how to get around it and you hit it another way and mm. it adapts and gets around that. and at some point there's there's no nothing else you can throw at it right and, and it becomes more aggressive, more malignant um, and it and it takes over until in you know in a certain way it takes over the host, which is you. but in fact, that cancer is, is yourself.
0: Mm. It's you too, right yeah, you too yeah right. Yeah, how, how interesting it is that we try to separate ourselves from, from life itself. From and nature. from disease. Yeah, from, from, right, right. We often do that. Part and parcel of, mm. uh, of us
2: and our being and our bodies. Right. Um, and, and even just the, the joys and ple- pleasures that we have are also, uh, yeah, you're right. I, I see them
0: as very connected mm-hmm. components of the human experience. What is your understanding and idea of true power?
2: Yeah, I I guess my feeling of true power is really the ability to, I guess, control who you are in any given situation. Um, You know, people always say, you know, we can all be great and happy on the great days. But when there's a hard day or a rainy day, can we still be that great and happy person? I think it's a very tough thing. It takes deep reflection and um, really a will to carve exactly who you want to be in any given situation, no matter what you're facing. And I actually find people that can do that are very powerful people.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting perspective too. When you talked earlier about the universe having a plan, what comes to me is that we have no control that this is just flowing, life is just doing what it does, and we have no control whatsoever, but it seems like we do, apparently we do well, we can
2: control ourselves, you know as people will say, well we can decide if we want to be a bitter person or a loving person or an angry person, or we we can choose whatever lens we wish to put in front of us, but you you cannot control the
0: circumstances. What is your definition of success? What is to be successful to you? And what are some of the misconceptions we have about success?
2: Yeah, that's another great question, because I think as leaders, we all face that because none of us want to have the sort of the the narrative in our head that we're not successful. (laughs) We want to be successful. But I think it's also we want to find what success is to us and not operate off the yardsticks of others that Mm. in fact we may not value and i've had to reset my thinking around what success is and clearly you know we, we live in a world where people talk about success as having um money and things and um you know but but for me i i don't see that. i see that as more circumstance it's great if it happens it's not great you know if it doesn't happen that's harder but i often like to to say and i often believe that that happiness and success is really a function of my relationships, how good they are, Mm. is a a direct result of how good I am.
0: Mm. (laughs) Oh, wow. I love that, Mona.
2: Yeah, I I really believe that Um, in every department Mm. of life, health, um, whether it be building a business, I do think that we really are the sum of our relationships, and I think Mm. it behooves us to figure out how to have them how to have great ones mm-hmm. how to navigate them i just think what else do you have if you don't <laughs> you know everything else yeah. is can come and go but True. but relationships are are what at least i think gives us meaning mm-hmm. and if and having that meaning is 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 just is a
0: sense of deep success what do you love most about being in a human body
2: uh, <laughs> These are all very good questions that no one's ever asked me. <laughs> but um I think for me, what I love most, you know, being in a human body versus being a dog or being something else, is that i I, I actually can do things in this world uh, that could improve the world. That is very meaningful to me. And even with what I do, it's you know i I chose it because I think it it brings me a lot of meaning to be able to achieve. Um, help it leave a mark, you know, move the needle. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I love you, answer. Yeah. Yes. Yes. A billion times. (laughs) And my last warm-up question is what is freedom to you? What is to be free from your perspective?
2: Yeah, I guess, you know, I don't actually think in those terms. I actually never think I am free, but I actually Mm. think it's great that I'm not free because I'm bound. I'm bound to my kids and my family and my husband you know mm. I, my my drives my passions what I like these are the things that uh, pull me and in the greatest way Right. you know, oh, like, wow. you know, if you know what I mean <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> and that if it weren't that way I wouldn't be happy I wouldn't I would find myself um sort of wandering and yeah, I, I actually don't think of myself as um, being this. Uh, and I know we, I know in our society we talk a lot about freedom and yeah. rights and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. I don't think in that those terms in that lens. Mm. It, it 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 honestly almost makes no sense to me. Then what are you if you if you're the yeah. person that is uh, free to do everything? You'll just be alone and mm. and unattached yeah. and detached and
0: um, and what good is that. I don't know. Right, right. That's the way I see it. So you are the founder, executive director, and chairman of the board at Music Beats Cancer. Talk to me for a moment about the inspiration, intention, and the purpose of this work. But before that, it kind of caught my attention that the word chairman, they don't have uh, the term chairwoman. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) Right. I guess not, right? I guess not. They should. Yeah, right. I was reading this, uh, the title, and, huh, yes. So, talk to me about the inspiration and intention of your work.
2: Yeah. Um, so, what's interesting is I'm, I am like, a, I'll back up again. I'm a cancer researcher by training, and and my background is that I did, uh, I studied what's called molecular biology. And, um, I, when I started, I got a doctorate in, in biochemistry and like I said, I was focusing on molecular biology, which means I worked with a lot of DNA and RNA and did cloning and all these kinds of things that were really exciting at the time. But of course it wasn't something the general public was aware of. Um, so, I remember as a scientist, uh, as a student, learning all these things, and I remember how exciting it was to learn it on the one hand, but on the other hand, how lonely it is because you could never share it because the rest of the world just wasn't sort of caught up in what this was about. I felt like I had something special, and I also feel like, you know, doing science, you know, we, we talk about, like, going to the moon. I, I felt like that's what I had done. I'd gone to the moon. I'd learned. I'd been in another universe, basically. And when I was a student, um, they gave us the choice of studying either heart disease, AIDS, or cancer. And of course, you know we were all in our 20s, nobody, knew or cared that much about disease when we were in our 20s we just had to pick any lab so I just picked the cancer labs and it wasn't because I cared about the issue so much is that we just had to pick something and work and we we chose our study based on you know where our friends were or where the labs were wasn't because we had any deep pull Um, But once I got into the cancer labs, I I realized just how exciting this work and this study was and cancer and the study of cancer, which is called oncology, fascinated me. And once again, I remember coming home on Thanksgiving breaks thinking, I I, I can't even tell people about what I do. I, you know, I'm just something in a corner. But in time, you know, I I eventually made it to uh, do what's called postdoctoral training at the National Cancer Institute. And after you get your doctorate, most of us do what's called postdoctoral training, and that's where we specialize. And so, um, I was at the National Cancer Institute in Washington, D.C., in that greater area, and uh, doing a lot of work there. And it was there when we, me and folks in my lab, we had discovered something, and it was a, a a new way to treat ovarian cancer. It was based on a DNA therapy, actually. And, um, so what was interesting is that it was the first time that, you know, for me, I had actually invented something and the fact of the matter is scientists invent all the time. Um, and the public is unaware of this and they think that we're looking for cures. We're not actually doing that at all, um, we as scientists are, are learning, we're asking questions, we're being curious, we're extending knowledge. And in the interim, if something comes up, like, wow, this is killing cells, we should do something. Um, we should, you know, um, patent this so that it maybe we can commercialize it or somebody will commercialize it into a real medicine for people. So that's what we do in life. And finally, you know, that so happened to me and um, I was able to spin out a company and leave my work as an academic and move into the world of biotech. And biotech essentially is the practice of commercializing science. And when I did this and I traversed my world, I realized I had to wear a whole new hat. I had to fundraise, write a business plan and tell people and talk to people about what this invention is, why what its potential, why it could matter, why it can make a difference and get people to, you know, write checks and invest. Um, and that was really tough. And I did, I did I was I managed to raise money and, and, and write grants and pitch and all of that stuff. But the reality of it was that this was early stage. This was a risky idea. And it would take a couple of million just to get it into a human. And there is really no place to get that kind of money. So inevitably, I found that there were so many challenges in moving a great idea into a real solution for cancer. And one of the biggest challenges was funding. And then I also realized that this was not just my problem. This is a big problem with a lot of scientists turned biotech entrepreneurs. We invent all the time. We try to move our, our science forward, but inevitably most, it, most of it fails. And what happens is it either fails or just sits on shelves and it never helps anybody. So this wasn't just a problem that was mine or the problem of the industry. It's a problem for the public too, because the public is stuck in the dark ages, in terms of they believe we as scientists are looking for cures and we are not looking for cures. We are inventing and they just don't move forward. And the public remains unaware. Yet the public is the one that funds us. The public is the one that puts their dollar through you know tax money into uh, believing and hoping that we will advance uh, medicine. And yet we do it really inefficiently. So I decided to form Music Beats Cancer. And the idea of this is that it's a charity and that it supports entrepreneurs who are actively working on cancer solutions, but that lack the funding to move forward. And so we set our organization up very much like a Kickstarter. Do you you know what Kickstarter is?
0: Yes, yeah. Or a GoFundMe type of thing, except...
2: And you know how when Kickstarter was launched, they they launched it because people who had albums or people who were working on movies, you know, they couldn't raise the money. So they went to their crowd and it was the crowd that ultimately supported uh, these these ideas. So we did the same thing, except we said our creators are going to be scientists turned entrepreneurs and you know, and, and we set it up like a, like a crowdfunding and, and the other, and the other aspect of it was, this was a way for entrepreneurs to raise money through the public who could then donate to a idea that they found compelling. And you see, normally charities, um, are, are very much top down. They, they were designed for the wealthy. They were designed to do galas to get the wealthy together, to rub shoulders with the privilege, you know, this type of thing. And and what would happen is monies would get raised and it wouldn't be clear where those monies would go. And, And I'm sure you've done some walks and runs for life or donated to stuff. But at the end of the day, where did your dollar go? You really couldn't track it. And usually what happens is it goes to some research lab and the research gets done. But the donor never really understands what value that brought, if at all. So I think our platform was designed to really engage people to be part of innovation and to have a voice in what they think should move forward. Because right now you have no say, and I have no say on how we fight cancer or any of disease for that matter. If you ask the public and you just went around, people would say they want a way to prevent cancer. They want a way to detect cancer early so that they don't have to deal with it yeah. in, in later stages. These are the things that that people would want. But what ultimately happens is that we're more of a drug society. Mm, right. We develop drugs, right. and that's because the people making decisions are pharma and they're venture capitalists, and they have their bottom line in mind. They don't necessarily have what the public seeks. In
0: mind if, if you know what I mean I love when you say it's not just this is not a, an issue of the individual or a separate entity it's our cancer is our issue all of us can do something about it together I love your approach Mona. thank you thank you yeah for doing what you do I love when you, you said that in one of the articles you sent me that cancer affects directly or indirectly everyone Yes,
2: it's that prevalent. It's fascinating. And I I didn't talk about the music angle, um, but that became our way to reach community. So as I was mentioning, you know, we we set this up like a Kickstarter like style, you know, crowdfunding mechanism, except we realized that we had no way to reach the crowd um, because scientists don't they don't have fans. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> like, <laughs> they just don't, and nor
2: were they used oh, to yeah. talking about science in front yeah. of the, the regular people. Right, um, and right. so we realized we needed a medium. We needed a way to reach the popular culture. And that's what music was for. And we found that music, now, of course, we're not the first to use music. Many charities use music as a way to move their message, yeah. if you know what I mean. Yeah. However, we just did it differently. Um, and as I mentioned, you know, charities tend, tend to be top down um, where they would engage um, celebrities and, uh, you know, have the galas and the, and the concerts. We didn't do that. Instead, we found a lot of power in independent artists and we engaged independent artists to become part of our platform. And we found that these artists were so authentic. They all had a message they were all real, they've all been impacted. They all wanted to use their music for change. And we saw a lot of power in that community to help us sort of create this grassroots movement. And so what we ended up doing is um, we started doing what we call challenges, music beats cancer challenges, where the artist that would raise the most would get something special, like a unique performance or a meeting with a record label. <laughs> And just recently, we started these sort of these new challenges with iHeartRadio. And basically, and we're actually about to launch another one in September. And um, but the idea here is that the artists that raised the most would get their song heard on the radio and oh. it would be real terrestrial radio <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, versus, yeah. you know, an internet radio. And, um, <laughs> and we found this was very motivating to the artists because it helped them get really unique exposure all while aligning their music with purpose, yes. and I didn't know if it was going to work out. Um, but it, it was very odd because we had thousands of artists that wanted to be part of this, and, and, and it just blew my mind. Just the response and the way to do something that was elevating for the artists, elevating for mm, us, mm, and, it, and yeah. virtual too. In our new world where we we couldn't perform anymore, and we couldn't mm, yeah. we couldn't do any more huh. meetings. Um, it became. Uh, we we had to come up with a model to, to be, to do something great, but still mm. be virtual. Right. If you know what I mean? Yeah. And this is, and this is where the radio came into play, but we are, um, like I said, we're doing another challenge in September and we will be airing these radio spots in October in honor of breast cancer awareness month. And I think, like I said, what fascinated me was just how the artist responded to this. And it was also not only American artists, there were mm-hmm. artists from all over the world. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I was just shocked. And, and it goes to show how pervasive cancer is, how it affects everybody on the planet directly or indirectly, and how people, whether they've been affected or not, how many people they are um, in the, on this planet that just want to see change. Yeah. That, that touched me a lot.
0: So we're almost at the end. I do have a few more questions for you, the ending questions. But before that, would you like to add anything? And also mentioned, um, how can we support, how can the audience do something and support your project?
2: Yeah, so we'd love for people to come to our website, musicbeatscancer.org. And certainly, like I said, we're launching a challenge September 7th after Labor Day. We'd love for people to come and support the artists. Like like I said, it's the artists who raise the most with a minimum of a thousand um, that um, get to that that are in the running for for the radio slots. Um, But also we want people to see the entrepreneurs who are drumming up you know great ideas uh, as a way to fight this disease yeah. and we think it's important um to for people to to whether they donate or not to just to get a sense of who these disease experts are after coronavirus our our world changed because yeah. we now have a public that cares about innovation, that likes to listen to disease experts, that respects you know right. who you know these types of innovators and what we can do yeah. as a society to fight disease as we did with coronavirus yeah. or as we are doing with coronavirus. Yeah. So um, the world changed for us dramatically.
0: Mm, um, yeah, during and this pandemic. Right, it's it has been a unify kind of era, uh, which is
2: and in education too. Right, we we now yeah. have people that can say mRNA vaccines yeah. and PCR yeah. tests and. <laughs> You know, antigen to, I mean, these (laughs) are, you know, it's mind boggling for me. I've Mm -hmm. been working with mRNA, you know, since I was in my industry, like decades ago, Mm mRNA has been around for 30 years,
0: Uh, (laughs) but we were never
2: (laughs) able to share this with the world. And now we are.
0: Yeah, exciting times for sure. Um, There's a movement happening and uh, it might be part of the evolution that you spoke earlier. So two more questions for you, the ending questions. What is another word for Mona?
2: (laughs) I was going to say something maybe like pioneer, warrior maybe, but um, I think built in pioneer is a warrior Mm, too. Uh, that's how I see myself as, as uh, the person that is, is just absolutely tenacious. but at the same time, you know like like you say, Valeria, there's a certain peace in the tenacity of because you believe in something. You, you believe that things will go in the right direction um, because that's just where the energy is.
0: I love what it said about freedom. I don't need that kind of freedom that will disconnect us, that will detach us. That just made my heart warm. <laughs> yes. Um, so my last question is, what are three things about life you know for sure as of this moment?
2: For sure at this moment, I think life is fragile. Anything can be taken. Anything can fall. You know, your health can, can go. That for sure. I think for sure energy can move mm, yeah. and, and it can emanate from you. I mean, it can emanate from you and you and you can move it. You, you you mentioned, you say, you've said a lot, you know, that we, we, we don't have controls a lot. We don't have control yeah, over. Yeah. yeah. Right. But I would say that there are, which I think is completely true, but I would say that there are things that we, we do and can control. And, and I like I said, you can control how you see things. You can control the kind of energy you want to give out there on the planet. I, I really do think that every person has a power. It's just tapping it. <laughs> yes. um, I,
0: I, I see that that's for sure. Before we say goodbye, again, where can we find more information about you, your services, projects, and um, everything you offer?
2: It's musicbeatscancer.org is our website. Uh, also, we're, um, we are present across social media platforms, Facebook, um, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And, um, and we'd certainly love for people to come to our web- website, check out, you know, what entrepreneurs are working on in the fight against cancer? Check out the artists who are following us, and um, and of, of course, you know, if you feel compelled, you know, make a donation. That would that would make our day.
0: Oh, wonderful. I'll have the link on your podcast profile. Thank you so much again, Monim, for your presence, thank you, Valeria, your wisdom and everything else that could be felt. We'll talk soon. Take care. Appreciate it. Yeah. Bye for now.
1: Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Dr. Mona Javeri and her work, please visit musicbeatscancer.org.
0: To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.